Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. I want to spend this episode talking about the jabs and a lot of the medical information that's come out here re- regarding this. So it's not necessarily going to be about K-12 education per se, although certainly they're going to get roped into this. So you're going to want to bear with me here because I've got a great deal of information to go over. And I want to start off, first of all, by saying that last Tuesday, this past Tuesday, June 8th, I attended the Uncensored Truth Tour from America's Frontline Doctors, where Dr. Simone Gold was the keynote speaker. And I wanted to describe what went on during that that lecture series or the lecture portion, of course, that I witnessed. Uh, some of the questions that were brought up by audience members and then just kind of how the whole thing played out. It was a fantastic event. Uh, that goes without saying. Very, very informative. And it was heartbreaking at the exact same time. The, the, the more that you listen to particular stories and, and the real background of what was really going on. So first of all, I, had not, I, n- I didn't have an opportunity to meet Simone Gold, although she was just a few feet away from me by the time I left. And the only way that you could get a hold of her... Uh, or at least meet her apparently was by signing a uh, by paying a hundred dollars to to get a signed book from her, and I thought, well, I'd love to have her on the podcast and and discuss a number of things in particular regarding school law and the negative impacts of these jabs on children and teenagers, in particular going into the next school year because I've made some predictions um, both online on Gab and publicly. Uh, you know, on the podcast here, and then I, I even was having some conversations with people at the lecture series uh, and discussing what I thought was going to happen here in the in the upcoming year regarding teachers becoming remarkably ill and students re- becoming remarkably ill, and then the schools ultimately shutting down again. Um, so I'm going to do my best to to get through the details because there were a number of different things that occurred. And again, I'm I'm sharing this for obvious reasons because I know that a lot of people can't go, so that's one of the reasons why I went was a bench was essentially just do some recon as to what was going on and then bring that information back to everybody. Um, I did, however, at the very beginning, as I was sitting in the back because I like to observe the room and see what people are doing and how people are behaving and whatever else. I had the opportunity to meet their tour manager, very nice guy, great cowboy hat. And I handed him my card and I said, please, you know, give this to Dr. Gold if you can. I said, you can keep it for yourself too. But I talk about American K-12 education and what's going on with the schools, in particular the information that she has been sharing and countless other doctors have been sharing, in particular the ones that are associated with America's frontline doctors. And uh, I'd love to talk with her, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that because I know she's very busy and maybe she didn't even get the card and doesn't even know about this. But Again, if you're out there and anybody's out there listening to this, please move this along to her. I'd love to have her on and even for a 30-minute quick discussion. doesn't even have to be that long. Um, so as I was sitting there, and again, I had an opportunity to meet the tour manager, great guy, and uh, an- another lady came around immediately, and she was passing out small little cards that said, Support Ohio Bill 248, which is health freedom. And I'm going to describe some some of the bullet points on this. And the website is www.voteyesonhb248.com. Now, this is a bill that's currently in committee 
uh, in the state government of Ohio. And essentially what it does, the, the broader picture, is it makes all of this vaccine stuff disappear. All of it, it makes it all go away. So individuals can attend school without receiving any jab whatsoever from any, of any kind. That if a person wants to go to public school, they shouldn't have to pump themselves full of drugs to go to, to, go to public school. Um, it also prohibits businesses, of course, from mandating such vaccines, which, of course, we're talking about both COVID shots and actual vaccines, not the fake ones, um, uh, along with other businesses and, and countless other things. So here are the bullet points. It says, protect all Ohioans' vaccine choice, protect all Ohioans' health care privacy, protect all Ohioans from, quote, unquote, vaccine passports, vaccine passports or registries. Provide all Ohioans transparency and honesty regarding existing vaccine mandates and exemptions in schools and child care settings. Provide all Ohioans legal resources if discriminated against for vaccine status and protect all Ohio businesses who honor Ohioans vaccine choice and privacy. Um, it's fantastic to say the least, but it's still in committee. And again, what was interesting about that day, again, this past Tuesday, was Dr. Sherry Tenpenny was testifying in this committee during, during that very time, and she's based in Cleveland. And that was also the same night that she was on Quite Frankly's podcast and describing um, more medical advice and, again, the side effects of the jabs and everything else that's happening. And again, they're not even side effects. They're, they're the purposeful... It's, 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 an, it's a giant on purpose. It's just what the poison does to people. And she was describing this also. So I thought that was a, a nice little connection there and, and sort of all wrapped up. But, uh, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm not one to think that I'm the tip of the spear, but that moment and that day, I kind of felt like I was, which is kind of interesting. Um, anyway, with that aside, there were roughly, I want to say less than a thousand people in the 20th Century Theater, which is a nice old theater where clearly they have plays and other small events, but this was very well done. They had a giant screen, and at first what they did was is they had um, a number of different people come up, well, a couple of different people. They had a local politician come up who apparently is running against Mike DeWine. He's a farmer and a, a small business owner. Then they had another doctor uh, come up, a male doctor, and he described a few different things and basically just told everybody, don't get the jabs. That was essentially his message. Um, and then, of course, his message was also that we have to keep telling people about this and that we can't stop telling people about this because it resonates with, with lots of different people and and uh, the likelihood of them spreading it to somebody else is also very high. And then Dr. Simone Gold came out last, and her lecture was absolutely fantastic. And she spent the majority of, of her lecture talking about the legal ramifications because she's also a lawyer and she was talking about the legal aspects of everything. Now before she spoke and before the um, before the presenters actually came out, they showed a movie titled Seeing 2020. And there's a subtitle to it which has slipped my mind, but it was it's absolutely fantastic and it basically describes I want to say at least 30 minutes long, but it describes what was going on with America's frontline doctors and what was going on with politicians and the news and, and the science and the, the suppression of hydroxychloroquine and a thousand other things. And it was really, it's very concise and very well put together. 
I don't believe that's on the internet anywhere. I've looked. I think right now they're just using it as a as a introduction to um, to this current lecture series that they're on right now, which again is fine. But but that's an example of a movie that everyone has got to see. Um, I had no idea, and or at least had forgotten that Dr. Gold uh, was arrested by the FBI, and her front door was busted in, along with one of her partners, who was sort of the MC of the entire of the entire conference there. But um, that happened as a result of her being uh, at the January sixth rally in Washington D.C. this year, and how they had an entire stage set up where they were going to give a talk, and then all of a sudden their stage was taken down and they weren't allowed to talk. So she entered the Capitol building in the foyer there and gave her speech anyway. And then they later ended up arresting him. Um, and she, I believe they were in jail for maybe four days or so. Uh, either way, I mean, it is, it is awful to say the least, but there were a number of different points that were brought up. And again, I'm, I'm doing my best to summarize this here because there was a lot of information, but I just want to hit on a few bullet points. One of the things that was brought up that is absolutely critical, I think, for people to understand is that Dr. Fauci owns the patent to SARS-CoV-2. He owns the patent. So number one, you can't patent something if it isn't man-made. And this is man-made. We, we know this, and many of us knew this the second that it occurred and the second we heard about it. We were like, yeah, that's not coming from some bat, and that's not coming from some whatever, dirty floor in China. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's not it. We knew that it was man-made, but the patent itself proves that it's man-made. That's number one. Number two, she said that because it's, it's patented by Dr. Fauci, no doctor can get a hold of it to actually study it and look at it. Um, others have, have, have looked at other forms of it, apparently, but they, they, according to her, they can't get a hold of it and they can't study it because he owns the patent on it. So I think that's a critical point for people to understand, uh, and it's absolutely awful to say the least. She continued, again, and talked about the legal ramifications and how she encourages anybody who is in legal dire straits regarding their workplace to go to America's Frontline Doctors website. Uh, th there are a couple of them now. There's Frontline Facts, and then there's America's Frontline Doctors.org or .com. But you can go there. You can, you can type in your experience and what's going on and where you work, and all of that remains anonymous. And then they will link you up with a lawyer, a freedom-fighting lawyer, in order to uh, see what they can do to alleviate the situation. One of the things, again, that is also happening is that countless, as we already know, countless hospitals and countless doctors and nurses are striking right now because they're forcing their employees illegally, I might add, completely illegally, and she would say the same thing, I'm certain, uh, to get the jabs. And that can't happen. They can't do that. No workplace can force people to get this because it's under emergency use authorization. So we know, and, and here's what she also said, again, which is incredibly important. She said, in her opinion, she wouldn't be surprised if these jabs become FDA approved within the next week or two weeks. She says she knows that 
it stretches out that the you know the FDA approval stretches out to 2022, 2023, and 2025, something like that. But she said they're not going to wait that long. She said they're going to do whatever they can to make it FDA approved as quick as possible, but it's not going to be any different than than the jabs that people have already been taking. So with that said, uh, then came the Q&A. She took roughly four questions, and there's only a couple that I recall. And again, it was only four, but they were kind of loaded questions. And then some of them were were from the up from the front of the room, and we couldn't necessarily hear. And she even tried to repeat them, but they sort of slipped my mind. But uh, one of the questions was, and this was heartbreaking, but one of the questions was from a person at the, at the front of the room who I believe had taken the jabs, and I believe that's what they said because I couldn't hear them. But I believe that they said that they had taken the jabs. Was there anything that they could do to reverse it? And she looked at her point blank and just said, no, there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do. Um, cause there, it, there's just no remedy for this right now. Uh, so that was, that was, that was, you know, it's a hard truth, but it's the truth. Um, there, the question came from the back to my left and the gentleman stood up and he said that he is 30 years a physician works in a hospital and he's starting to speak out now because again, he's got 30 years in and he doesn't have anything to lose. And he basically said he doesn't like the way that his nurses and other doctors are being treated in the hospital because they're all being forced by these companies to take the jabs and by the, by the organizations that own the hospitals to take these jabs against, against their will, whether it's bullying, intimidation, coercion, whatever it may be. And he, uh, he also then stated, he says, he basically said, so what can I do legally about this? And, and Dr. Gold suggested that he be a plaintiff in another lawsuit that they're filing. Apparently they have one lawsuit they've already filed. There's a second that has been filed to keep people from getting the jabs and companies forcing people to get the jabs and, and hospitals and XYZ. There's a second lawsuit that's taking place. Uh, that was filed this week, I guess. But there's a th- there's another lawsuit also that's coming, and she was suggesting that he become a plaintiff in that uh, upcoming lawsuit. So he then uh, also, what I thought was interesting, he mentioned that his daughter works for the NFL, and that countless individuals within the NFL are doing the exact same thing. They're forcing countless people to get these jabs, uh, again, through intimidation, coercion, whatever it is, or they're asking them to, or they're telling them it's going to be required, or I don't know if it is required right now or not. But never before, again, this is worth saying, never before in the history of anything has this ever happened. That should be suspicion enough for everybody to stay as far away from this as humanly possible. I mean, there are, I just saw this the other day, there are press people asking athletes if they've gotten the jabs. They're asking, they just asked the uh, Carolina Panthers quarterback, have you gotten the jab yet? Have you gotten your shots yet? That's none of their business. They don't get to ask that. Again, this this very question, which I'm going to get into in a minute because this is unfortunately going to have to be a question that people ask one another, even in their casual lives now, because of the dangers of what's in these jabs. But the, the very notion that people are asking one another in per certain professions or all professions as to whether or not they've received it or not, 
should tell everybody about how suspicious all of this is, but we're way beyond suspicion because suspicion relies not on fact, but on feeling. We know these are dangerous. We know they're deadly. We know they're unnecessary. We know all of this already. This is all proven, and it's continuing to come out, albeit slowly sometimes, and certainly the mainstream media is not covering it, and they're not going to. They're not going to cover... Um, and this was a current story too. They're not going to cover the mainstream media is not going to cover the six foot nine high school basketball player in Utah who was perfectly healthy, took the jabs, and is in ICU or just now out of ICU because of uh, because of blood clots in his brain. They're not going to they're not going to tell you that story. And again, for people to not make the connections between the poisonous effects of poison, which is what they're injecting themselves with, then they're, uh, if they can't make that connection, then they're just never going to get it. It's going to take, I don't know what it's going to take, but it was, it was interesting to say the least. Um, it was an excellent, it was an excellent lecture. It was, it was concise. It was to the point. It was very well done. And, uh, I met a nice couple who was sitting next to me very great people, and they even described how their daughter is a school teacher and their daughter took the jabs. And the two of them looked at me, and again, their faces just dropped. And, and they knew about the medical ramifications, and they knew about, they knew about a lot of this. Um, and hopefully they're listening right now. Again, it was great meeting you. I gave them my card also. I said, tune into the podcast if you're interested. And uh, I gave them another card too that had a lot of websites. I told them about Gab and Telegram and how to get on these websites and how to connect and how to learn more and, and whatever else, but man alive, uh, it really is it really is interesting. Just the division that exists between not just families but individuals in professions that you'll have individuals walking past each other in a hallway in a particular workplace, and the person who got the jab is certain they're right, and the person who didn't is certain they're right, and they can't both be right. Someone's wrong. And it really is the jab recipients. And that really continues to be a huge, huge problem. Um, not to mention they're pushing this super hard on children right now. And um, they're burying all of the horrific stories about children who are receiving these jabs and the, and the horrific effects of, of, of pumping these poisons. Every And I'm going to tell you something too. Every, um, I keep calling them side effects. They're really not. They're, they're the reactions to the poison. I should start calling it that. Every reaction to these poisons that are being injected in people, every single one that occurs in adults are occurring in children. They're occurring in teenagers and now infants because they're pumping infants with these. I read one just the other day, a two-year-old. Parents served up their two-year-old to these jabs, two-year-old, dead. Just like that. Just like that. The shivering, the shaking, the neurological damage, the heart attacks, the strokes, you name it. It's, it's all of it. The paralysis, every single side effect that you've ever heard. I said side effect again. Sorry. Every single adverse poisonous reaction that the, per, uh, that the person is receiving is, is occurring in children. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to show 
or I can't show because it's a podcast, clearly, but I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to play audio of children with, with these, with these adverse reactions. I, I, I just won't do it. It's remarkably graphic. So if you want to watch it, if, if, you know, when, when they pop up, um, they, sometimes I'll put them on my Gab account every now and again, they're certainly on Telegram and there's a Telegram channel, which I highly recommend people get on and it's titled, uh, COVID vaccine injuries. Again, America's frontline doctors are on Telegram, um, and you hit the join button at the bottom of the screen to join their channel. And then of course you'll get their notifications every single time. But, uh, the, the COVID vaccine injuries channel on, on Telegram is remarkably educational, incredibly heartbreaking, but it's just reaffirming that this is a huge, huge problem. And we're talking about clearly one of the largest eugenicist experiments that's ever taken place on the human race. This is absolutely awful, which leads me to this next point. I put this out on, and this is going to be the question that I asked Dr. Gold if I'd had an opportunity. And again, I, I, w- I will ask her this if, if she were ever on the podcast, which again, she's always welcome. Um, I was going to ask her about, given how the spike proteins operate just like HIV, because again, that's essentially what HIV is. And we're talking about human immunodeficiency virus, the sexually transmitted quote unquote um, disease, which again is immunocompromising. Uh, I put this out on Gab. I said many of the emails from Fauci's rele- released emails, they he mentions, and or not he per se, but it is mentioned at least 176 times the acronym HIV, Human Immunodeficiency Virus. Now, we know that he has a history with HIV from back in the day. That's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother time. I think he's had his hands in that too. That too was man-made based on my experience and my education and what I've read. Um, the rabbit hole is deep on that to say the least. But for me, I haven't heard yet these doctors, including Tenpenny and Gold and a number of others, mention the risk of sexual transmission from a jab recipient to a non-jab recipient. They've talked about the protein shedding and the dangers of that and how that's very, very real. But now that even the mainstream media kind of quickly glossed over the fact that women can no longer breastfeed who have had the jabs, women can, the likelihood of pregnancy occurring within women is remarkably rare now that they've had the jabs. They directly attack the ovaries in women and the testicles in men, lowering or completely inhibiting the response of the egg and the sperm whatsoever. Um, And the fact that jab recipients can't donate blood, which would imply, now this is me now, but it would imply clearly that they can't donate organs anymore. So given that all of these characteristics are the same characteristics as HIV and the spike proteins associated with HIV. Does that not mean that jab recipients could sexually transmit the spike protein to non-jab recipients? That's my question. Because now we're talking about 
the world's largest self-induced sexually transmitted disease. I'm not saying that that's the case. I don't know if it's been studied yet. I don't know. I'm just saying that when all of those dots connect, and even in the Fauci emails, it says, hey, Fauci, um, this is basically HIV. There are characteristics of even the COVID virus that look like HIV, and these shots kind of look like HIV. In their entire makeup, um, doesn't that leave sexual transmission as being the last method of acquisition, so to speak? I, th- I th- Again, this is my opinion, having again spent nine years in the health profession as a, as a school teacher teaching health education, anatomy, and physiology, and having a bachelor's degree in health education and a PhD in education, and reading about this on a consistent basis for a number of years now, uh, over two decades. It's, it's evident that that seems to be the last checkbox that I haven't heard anybody say yet. These doctors are coming right up to it. I mean, they're 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 saying everything that would indicate that it could be sexually transmitted, but they're not saying sexually transmitted yet. So I'm waiting for that. I'm not wishing that that be the case. Clearly, I'm not. Um, but that certainly seems to be one of the angles that hasn't been discussed yet. So I think time will tell on that one. But uh, yeah. It's not an accident, ladies and gentlemen, that they're going after children and teenagers with these jabs. And remember, when the FDA approved it for the individuals between the ages of whatever it was, 12 and 18, what would indicate to anybody that those jabs are any different than the ones that adults are receiving or the ones that infants are receiving in any test run? They're the exact same jab. They have to be. They can't be any different because the same adverse reactions, so to speak, are still occurring with those teenagers. So anyway, that's that's my summary of uh, the America's Frontline Doctors lecture. Uh, it was again, it was fantastic. Um, that's my recommend my, you know my recommendation is that anybody check it out if you can. Keep your eyes open for the film seeing 2020 if that uh, shows its way up to their website or, finds its way online anywhere, it's it's a must-watch because, again, it has Dr. Lee Merritt in there and a bunch of other doctors that have that were at the forefront of this and the way that they were treated and their own experiences working within their own working environments, having their medical licenses threatened. I mean, we're talking about the largest conspiracy here that's ever existed, and it certainly is a bunch of people colluding with one another to lie and to manipulate and hide the truth, and we have to keep talking about this. Because again, it's killing children now. Now we've got brainwashed parents filled to the gills with the jabs and they're going to give them to their kids. So we have to do whatever we can to stop that from happening. And we have to keep talking about it as much as we can and bring the most, uh, most recent truth to people. So there's a couple of audio clips here though that I do want to play. One of them again is from Dr. Tenpenny recently from this past week when I believe she was in Texas. And so I'm just going to go ahead and play this clip and then I'll get to the second clip after this. But here she's talking about, again, the protein shedding and uh, the reproductive organ damage among children. 
I'm Sheila Hemphill with Texas Right to Know, and I have the privilege to be with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who has decades of research on what exactly is happening in regard to vaccines and what's particularly happening with this COVID vaccine. So, Dr. Tenpenny, thank you for your hair's work. Thank you. Uh, we've had an opportunity to listen to her presentation, and there are a couple things I would like for her to highlight to you. Uh, please explain the report of the two-year-old little boy that had been babysat by his so here's the thing is that a lot of people have been talking about when I'm around someone who's vaccinated, can I contract anything from them? They've called it shedding, which is an inaccurate term. Because shedding means that if I got a, a, a say, a chickenpox vaccine and I shed a chickenpox virus to someone else, they would contract chickenpox. What's happening here is we're getting a transmission that we believe is the spike protein that has been created by these injections into people. It's being transmitted to other people without close personal contact. We've had over 11,000 reports of women who had abnormal bleeding. Postmenopausal women who started to bleed, women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s who had periods that were like clockwork, they started to bleed. Young people are, are starting to bleed. And we've had reports of people who have lost two-thirds of their blood volume. Their hemoglobin's gone down to four. We have a case report of a 22-month-old little girl who spent the weekend with her vaccinated grandparents and came home and was passing vaginal blood clots the size of small eggs. We have the uh, reports of three and four-year-old girls that are in daycare that come home bleeding and they've had no sexual abuse. This is just bleeding and their panties are full of blood. These, this is actually happening. We have reports of cerebral cerebral vascular thrombosis. There have been over 117 reports to VAERS. We rarely see one of those a year. And we know that VAERS only contracts somewhere between 1% and 10% of what's actually happening. We now have over 4,000 people that have been killed by these shots. And we have more than 193,000 adverse events reported by this shot alone. VAERS usually gets 30 reports per year on a sum total of 20 shots. This shot has been around since December, so in five months, it's killed more than 4,000 people that we know of, and have had more than 193,000 adverse events. That's an FDA database number, monitor, monitored by the FDA, collected by the CDC. Those are government numbers. We cannot, we cannot mandate an experimental product that can kill people and harm people has no long-term studies whatsoever. We are now mandating this. We are now advising that children ages 12 to 15 get this shot. Does anybody have any data on what uh, girls that have started their periods, did they stop? Girls going to puberty at age 12, are they ever going to go into puberty? I talked to a physician last night who works in an urgent care and she said she's getting 30 to 35 men per week coming into her urgent care talking about testicular swelling and lack of being able to maintain an erection after getting their shots. I get reports 10 to 20 per day from all over the country of people telling me horrendioma stories of people who get one of these injections and it can be any of the three, not just one of them, who have got their second shot and eight days later, 10 days later, 15 days later, they're dead. These are deadly weapons. To mandate this for anyone whether it's a child, whether it's a teacher, whether it's anything to do with anybody in the government, you people who are mandating these things will have blood on your hands. And please don't roll your eyes at me because that's exactly what's going to happen. What she said there reminded me of just a couple of things that I wanted to bring up. First of all, she mentioned the VAERS report, which is where a lot of people are referencing and a lot of people are going to 
to read about these adverse reactions or at least find some statistics. Again, what she said is, is that 1 to 10% of all of the cases that actually exist are the only ones making their way to the VAERS report. That's it. 1 to 10% of what's actually happening. And those numbers on the VAERS report are remarkably high. I mean, it's basic math. <laughs> this is just basic horrific math at this point. So it's way, way worse, clearly, than what the VAERS report is leading people to believe. The second part is that if you get on YouTube, you can take a look. And when you scroll down just past a few videos, if you're on a computer or an Apple TV or an iPad, they will always have this giant propaganda line of nothing but COVID videos for people to watch. Every single one of those COVID videos is a lie. Every single one of them. And one of them was on there just this morning. And it said, again, being reported to in the mainstream media, it said, COVID vaccines, all of them, are 95% effective against COVID. 95%. That is a bold-faced lie. It's a complete lie. The largest medical journal that exists in the world is called The Lancet. And The Lancet reports that the Pfizer jab is 0.8% effective at preventing COVID-19. That the Johnson & Johnson jab is 1.2% effective against preventing COVID-19. Moderna, 1.2% effective against preventing, when it comes to preventing COVID-19. And AstraZeneca was 1.3% effective. So again, no prevention whatsoever. But they make a YouTube video, the mainstream media, saying that it's 95% effective against preventing COVID-19. That is a lie. They are lying to you. Don't go to YouTube for your medical advice. Don't go to the mainstream media for your medical advice. Countless people are still getting ill after the jabs. Deathly ill. Again, I was watching some stupid baseball replay, and the guy who was, who was again, I don't watch sports anymore, but a guy was talking about how he thought that it was odd that one of the coaches had had the jabs and had, and had tested positive for COVID again. I mean, the tests are false, number one. The jabs are false, number two. So two out of the three things that people are experiencing are fake. They're 100% fake. Not to mention, and this goes back to the, to the Dr. Gold lecture, but I believe somebody said or asked the question, this could have been the third question that was asked, but it had something to do with whether or not it was okay for an individual to receive the jabs after they had already had COVID. I mean, I met a person that had COVID and got the jabs after the fact, and I wanted to slap him across the face. I thought to myself, what the hell's the matter with you? I mean, he's a salesman. He's a nice guy, but I mean, I was like, Jesus, what, what, what is wrong with you? You don't, you don't do that. You don't, you don't, pl you don't plunge needles into your arms to pump yourself full of something after you've already had it. D did you fail ninth grade biology? It just blows me away. It absolutely blows me away. Now, this last audio clip I wanted to play was from Dr. Hod Hodkinson. 
and you may recognize his voice. Um, I believe he's based in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. He's certainly British. He could be based in the UK. I'm not entirely sure. I believe, though, it's, it's in Canada. And he'll describe how when the jabs were introduced into rats, they specifically attacked the ovaries of the rats. Again, we're already seeing this in humans, so it shouldn't shock anybody at this point. Again, based on what Dr. Tenpenny also said and, and clearly stated. And I'm talking here about infertility, and let me explain why. The Pfizer submission to the Japanese authorities, which was conveniently submitted in Japanese, has just been discovered and translated. And the, the particles, the lipid particles that they used in one of those studies, these vaccines have little, little particles in them, surrounded by lipids, about fatty particles, if you like. And the, the messenger RNA is in the middle of it. But the, that study by Pfizer showed that those particles located in many organs of the body, but one organ was a total surprise. It, this is in rats now, not in humans. Um, a total surprise because it located heavily in the ovaries for reasons that are quite unclear. But it did locate in the ovaries, in rats. So clearly, what the consequences of that are at this time are unknown. <laughs> but the last time I checked, pregnancy takes nine months. So how can you possibly determine if there's an effect on infertility if you do trials for no more than four to six months? So I'm going to quickly wrap this up here. My recommendation is that you get over on America's Frontline Doctors website if you find yourself in a position here or in a workplace position where you're being pressured to take these jabs. If you're in a school environment and you're being pressured to take these jabs, there is legal recourse. You do have rights. They cannot force you to take them under any circumstance. They cannot terminate your employment as a result because, again, it's against the law. They, they just can't, they can't do it. And fortunately, more and more states, Florida being one of them, is, is changing all of this in, in a positive way. And they're doing whatever they can to eliminate, again, the passports and the asking questions and the this and the that. But I covered a lot here in this particular episode. I'm, I'm going to tell you something, though, that if you get on America's Frontline Doctors and, again, check out their, their legal tab there uh, and, and do some reading, there's a great deal of information and I, I think a great deal of help that they might be able to provide you if you find yourself in, in a workplace jam, so to speak. Again, I'm not a medical doctor, but clearly I don't recommend anybody get these ever. Certainly don't give them to children ever. You'll kill them. That's pretty evident. Um, and you'll sterilize them. That's pretty evident if, they're, if they don't die. But again, what I think is going to happen here in the fall is really going to shock an awful lot of people which is why I have made comments on Gab to individuals and people have even reached out to me on Gab and they've said, hey, look, are there any homeschooling options? What can I do? I want to pull my kids out because they're still mandating the masks and now they're saying that they have to get the jabs and whatever else and I'm not going to do that to my kids, so what should I do? Again, one of the homeschooling options that I've brought up consistently is calverteducation.com. Calvert with a C, C-A-L-V-E-R-T, education.com. Again, toward the very beginning of this podcast, I was fortunate enough to have a guest on who, who homeschools their daughter. 
um, using Calvert Education and has nothing but positive things to say about it. I'm not a paid spokesperson for Calvert Education, but looking through their course list and looking at the materials and pictures of the materials, I'm telling you what, it, it seems like a viable option. And I, and I just think that what's going to happen here in the fall with American K-12 education and even higher ed, you're going to see, you're going to see some serious, serious health issues among individuals and, um, schools are going to, schools are going to close again. I have no doubt about that. Th- that, that hand has already been dealt before it was dealt through fear the last time. This next time I think will be the real deal. And, um, there's just not, I don't think there's going to be any running away from it. So I, I do recommend making some homeschooling options available to yourselves and your family members as, as quickly as you can and, and get into that routine as quickly as you can. Because again, I think that's certainly going to be a healthier option. Not to mention, of course, as Dr. Tenpenny has said and countless other individuals have said, the transmission that's taking place between people who have had the jabs and people who have not. If they're all in one concentrated area for hours at a time, all day long, I'm sorry, but that's what's referred to as a recipe for trouble. That's just a recipe for trouble. And um, that's all I've got. So sorry to end on a bad note, so to speak. But again, it's awareness. That's the point. Aware, you know, knowledge is power. Schoolhouse rocks, right? Knowledge is power. So use it, do what you can with it. Again, I recommend getting on Telegram and Gab. I'll keep saying that too. The Telegram channel is COVID Vaccine Injuries. Type that into the search box to find the channel, select it, and then hit the join button at the bottom. There's also Dr. Stella Emanuel. Her, uh, she also is a part of America's Frontline Doctors as well. She's on Telegram. America's Frontline Doctors are on Telegram. Other than that, have a great weekend. Catch you on Monday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.